Welcome to A Pitcher of Beer with Stick It In Your Ear, a 24-year-old record store in Springfield, Missouri. I'm your host, Nathan Weidman, here with owner Wes Nichols to drink beer and unlock the black holes of his mind. So grab a beer and attempt to understand the wealth of useless but kick-ass information. Yeah, I just want to know, how did you end up in Springfield? Why why here? Well, I want to go all the way back to like college. I went to Oklahoma State, got my degree there, and then came back home, and I thought I wanted to start. Before I did anything, I got a bachelor in psychology, and I thought, man, before I do 30 years of this, I had worked at a record store there in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and I loved it. I loved it because I had been a record collector since I was, you know, seven or eight in the early, early 70s. And, you know, you just, you guys know what I mean. You find something, if you're lucky enough, that you love, and it's hard not to want to do that. How can I make yeah. a living? It's like going on vacation, and you see this beautiful place, and you at least I do, but most the human condition, you flash at least, and what can I do to make a living here? It's so beautiful, you know, what, what can I do to, so I kind of did that with music, and I thought, you know what, if it, you know, I had 20 or 30 grand, and, and I thought, before I do the psychology thing for 30 plus years, I'm going to try this, and I told my boss that, and uh, he knew I was relatively good. At it, and he said, "Do me a favor, just don't fucking start it here." <laughs> and so, you know, then I go back home, and you do a little soul searching. And I thought, well, you know, it's a town of down in Texarkana, that area, mm-hmm. a town that may or may not support it. So I thought, you got to at least go to a junior college town, which is smart. You do your demographics, and yeah. you know that you got to have the young kids to support it. You can't go back to your hometown because it's mainly those that have already started a career and they're not hungry about music like the younger kids are. So I stayed there for a bit and I had a buddy that was in Grove, Oklahoma. He was head of food and beverage there at uh, Shangri-La. You know know what Shangri-La is? There's one in Memphis. He was the head of the whole thing there. And uh, after college, he went there and I came and I was kind of in a quandary. I didn't know what to do. And... uh, so I said, man, I'll give it a shot. And he goes, well, there's a junior college in Miami, Oklahoma. And I'm like, God, really? Well, now I did, you know, and so I'm a California kid. And, but I thought, sure, give it a shot, you know. And so it blossomed and bloomed in no time. Like the first two weeks, we knew that it was going to work. I mean, literally, you know, four or five hundred bucks in our pocket every day. It was amazing. It just hit out of nowhere because they didn't have... At that time, you guys, they had Walmart. And Walmart ruled... I mean, they were a majority of sales for the record industry. But they did not carry explicit. And thank God explicit lyrics came along because it saved the little guy. And what time period is this around? This was probably 88, 9 when the the whole uh, PMRC thing came about and yeah. Zappa was fighting, uh, you know, uh, uh, who was it? Uh, the the woman, that, and he was vice president and it was his wife. Um, oh, shit, what was her name? Um, blonde-haired lady. Anyway, crazy, crazy, crazy. And uh, he was vice president. So she took it upon herself as a housewife to say that, I, and I can't remember, I think the first... That was when tapes were still huge. And I remember the first tape that I think got the parental advice. It was a two-life crew record. Or maybe 
appetite for destruction, Guns N' Roses. So, and they were, though, you know, back then, those, you know, the, the older crowd, the PMRC, thought that, oh my God, it's going to hurt their sales. Shit, those bands would wear it like a badge. Yeah. You know, we got the explicit warrant. I remember when Cherry Pie came out, they had this song called Fuck Her. What was her name? Um, oh, the wife of the. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it'll come to us. Anyway, it'll so, come to yeah, us. But, no, no, but for real. I'm like, I'm like, I know who you're talking literally about. Literally, the last song was "fuck her," and it was this rant, this loop of a rant saying "fuck her, fuck her, fuck her," whatever her name was. Yeah, yeah. And so that at that time, it was more cassette than it was, and vinyl had started to die out early '90s. Yeah. Because you just have, you know, like now you've got. Yeah, but cassettes were portable. Like once, absolutely, once, absolutely. Once you got away from. You can't play that in your car, and right? And and tapes were were a better version of the eight tracks. The eight tracks there were too many things that could go wrong. You could bleed over, skip tracks. Yeah. You know the, the the pads would melt. It was just a hundred. With tapes, man, they were durable. You could spill your beer on them. You could throw them in the in the floorboard. You could yeah. get them. You give them away. Go get another one. And you had blank ones that are easy to knock off, and you're done. And. uh it was kind of a magical time, except that it killed vinyl, you know. Yeah. And then uh, I have to tell you a real quick sidebar. When I was talking to uh, Chris Robinson from the Crows, and I think I told you this, and he said, "Man, in the in the '90s, man, I never did." I asked him. I said, "Did you ever? Was there ever, ever a time that you quit buying vinyl?" He said, "Hell no, I never, man. I kept kept buying vinyl." He goes. I, I bought a lot of CDs in the 90s. And I said, well, man, where are your CDs? He goes, I bought thousands, thousands of CDs just because it was practical and it was yeah. easy to do and you could take them and throw them in the bus and do kind of like cassettes, like you say cassettes were in the late 70s through the early 90s. I'm supposedly a more durable tape, which is a total fallacy. You know, we find <laughs> out that tapes were more badass than the CDs yeah. were. But... Uh, he said, you know what I did with those all those thousands? You know where all those thousands of CDs are? I said, no, man, it was their fucking beer coasters, man. <laughs> and so, you know, there were always, and even in the 90s, after we opened the second store in Pittsburgh, and that's how we kind of, we said, well, it worked in a, in a, in a two-year college. How about a four-year college? And Pittsburgh, Kansas was literally right up 59. So it was just right up the road. You know, something happens, boom, you're there in less than an hour. So Garen, my partner at the time, moved up there and loved it. And it caught on fire and went crazy. And so we thought, man, if it works at a two-year and a four-year, Joplin's in the middle. And opened it there. And once again, you had the mall and you had nothing else. So we created this alternative. And plus, we carried boots and posters and shirts. And none of those were... In a, in a corporate structure at the time. And now you got kind of hot topic that they saw stores like me and then wanted to start doing five or six or eight things too. You know? Yeah. But that's how it ended up. And uh, Springfield was just the logical conclusion. That's how we ended there. And I said, man, I'm going to move one more time. And if I have to do anything else, we'll franchise. Because it got, once you get past four or five, yeah. it's hard for yeah. an individual or two or even three to keep a day-to-day thumbprint on it. You're losing money from theft or, you know, not, you're hiring people that aren't knowledgeable and you're losing money there and there are people that don't give a shit or a combination of all those things, you know. But it, and it was time to either franchise or keep it where it was. And then 
But uh, yeah, but you know what? It ended up great because I got offered a lot of money on those others. So, and I love Springfield, always have, and you know it's just perfect size. So you went from Kansas, and then you go to Joplin, and so how we start out in Miami, Oklahoma, Pittsburgh, Kansas, Joplin, Missouri. So we right there in that little triad, twenty mile. You could literally mm-hmm. get to a stick it in thirty minutes from from uh, one to the other. So by the time you were in Joplin, how many stores did you have? That was three. Three. So Miami, Pittsburgh, Kansas, and Joplin. Yeah, and then this was our fourth. And it could have been, we could have done really well, but it was, there was some stuff that I didn't know tax-wise that was going on, mm-hmm. so I just, I got a divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now it's just the one. And so. now it's just the one. Was franchising anything you were interested oh, in? Oh, absolutely. We got, uh, there was a, a guy, and that's luckily how I got offered it was a guy from Boston, around the Boston area, but his parents still lived in Joplin, so he would come come back. And he came in the store one time and said, man, would you be interested on me doing, uh, I'm an editor for Small Business Network magazine, would you be interested in me doing a story? Because at that time, the, the little guy, it had come and gone, but this, we had more firepower because of all the different things we were carrying, whether it was shirts, we were carrying shirts and bootlegs and, you know, pipes and all these kind of taboos. So we were still kind of on the, on the kind of the cutting edge of, of what we could do and what we couldn't do and what sold and what didn't sell. And, and he was like, man, I want to do a story. So we didn't hear anything from him. And then nine months later, boom, there it is cover story and wow. you know and that was in Boston I think and that was 90 we opened here in 93 so 91 or 92 and that's eventually how I kind of got to where Darren I said man we're done and it's done and so I kind of got my come up and some, <laughs> some money back yeah so that's why I probably got you end up back in LA yeah I didn't spend that money. Let's put it that way. <laughs> there you go. So, how much longer were you here then? I don't know. Do I don't know. I don't have a plan, man. You know, and I think maybe that's it, Nate. Is that you don't? What the fuck do you do? Do you have a plan? You know, you have an outline, but every time you make a plan, there are things that don't work, and there are things that work way better that weren't even in your, you know, your, your wheel well. But I would think now, if you either one of you guys started tomorrow, there would only be one or two things that we did that I wouldn't say absolutely do those things. Do them again and again and again because there are certain things that just never get old. But maybe there's one or two that you wouldn't, you know, it's an odd deal with pipes. It's only as tolerant as the people that are running the show in the state and in the city and the county that you're in. But we've always been very fortunate that, uh, you know, we've never pushed the envelope. We, you push it just enough to uh, keep people in demand and, and to want and yeah. things like that. But you know, with with records, we never quit carrying them. And, and at one point in time, we were thinking, God, there's so much room here that vinyl takes up. Come on, man, surely we can 
not demographically, but just in, in the square footage, it kind of would be in better use strategically. Yeah. You know, you got only so much square feet and you put it to better use and a bigger this and a wider selection of that. And I just always fought it. And I don't know whether that's just because I knew that records would come back. I don't think I knew that. I could be fucking strong-headed and, and say, yeah. But I always just had a passion for it and said, man, it looks good in a store. It fills it up. And there's always a market. I mean, now... And you're right, you're now, right. Now we talked huge. about that. Now it's huge. But even back then, there was still a market. There were those that. guys that were so hardcore collectors. They didn't give a shit if they were the one to 8% of the market. They didn't care, man. They never, yeah. those guys were utilitarian. Mm-hmm. They buy records to play them. Yeah. You know, it gave them a sense of warmth, a tangible, and that's what I think is, and you know, you could, you could be stupid and say, well, you know, it's going to come back and, and sell millions of copies. It'll never do that again because it's so fractured. The market is so fractured, but there are, there is enough, a 10 to 25% of the music lister now that is totally forsaken having it on and we talked about yeah. that having it on some shitty little iPad yeah. where all of that yeah. that they, they, they want the warmth of the vinyl they want the tangible to look and go that's what Elton John's bass player looks like oh that's what the lyric of the song without having to dig and dig and dig and dig and there it is it's just there yeah. man you know and and when we talked about it you said well what What's the percentage of people that collect or utilitarian, which they buy it to listen to? Yeah. And I said, it's about half and half. Yeah. I figure it's about 50% of people that buy, they buy the new 21 Pilots. I don't want it just because it might be worth a hundred bucks in, in a year yeah. and they're going to, it's going to go out of print. I want to fucking listen to that yeah. record. I want to put it on and go, that sounds way better than the CD version, you know? Yeah. And like I said, I don't think it's going to take over and come back. And those numbers, but guys like us, that uh, I, it's back. And I think it will settle into its uh, percentage that'll be lucrative for, for the little guy. And maybe that's where it's belonged all the time. Maybe it's not a corporate entity. I mean, there are always going to be people that steal. There are always going to be people that bootleg. There are always going to be people that shun copies they have to spend but those are people that would rip food if they could you know if you could if you could rip those things and steal it there were people that were waiting those were wolverines and honey badgers that were waiting (laughs) for some source that they could get it for fucking cheap or free yeah but i think it's the idea of quality versus quantity of who sure. you're like who sure. you're selling to and like your audience sure. like you said well, maybe that's where it belongs is the and cost guy. alone this day like you can spend eight dollars a month and get any and all the music you could ever absolutely. want to listen to absolutely and where you a new record's 25 30 bucks hey man i you know if, if I was a young kid now, I could sit in front and play like I was on a skateboard on some fucking video game for uh, weeks, months, years at a time. Or do you want to get out on the fucking skateboard? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Right. So there's always going to be a fractured amount now. And it seems like as time goes by, there's it becomes smaller slices and smaller slices. But I think music is... is I think it has a little bit more resiliency than a lot of the, a lot of other things that that you could fight. Well, I don't need that tangible. I I just need this, or I don't need that engine part that costs eight hundred dollars or fifty dollars when we do is good. 
But music is a different thing, man. It's a different thing. And to own that, what I'm trying to get at is the, the pride of ownership. There's not many things that make you go, I have an original copy mm, yeah. of The Door Strange Days, you know? And you look at your buddies, and there's kind of some envy there, and they go, oh, I got a rip copy. Who cares? Which, 10 years ago, I fucking ripped that record for, you know, nothing. And, well, I got an old record copy of it. But, no, you see what I'm saying? It's moved yeah. back into to having, uh, you know, be, having pride. Especially you, man. You've got, and you. It just takes. It's like anything. It's like being a librarian, and you go in and you, you recommend a good book to somebody that comes in. They'll come back to you a hundred times because mm-hmm. you've got that guy knows me, and he knows what I like. And he gives a shit. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that's a very basic tenet, you know. You know. I think some of my so, favorite records, like you said, the pride of having ownership, you can't like yeah, you can't no. replace. Like my Dark for the Moon sure. got gifted to me for a dollar sure. for goodwill. And there's some scratches, you know, not many. It'll still play for the most part. Yeah. But it's like, but it wouldn't be, no. you know, what it is. It's and, the soul yeah. of what it is. Yeah. I was like, right. I don't want to buy a remastered one. I like this absolutely. one. I like when I know the scratch is going to happen because it, it right. just adds to that experience. Oh, I absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's why I've done what I've done. Hey. I've been, so okay. moving along with time, so what do you sure. think of record store day? Because it's April fourteenth. You got what a week? You know, they, they there's. I kind of have a love hate with those things, and sometimes the good ones are great. I like when the titles are there, and I know the reason that you don't get enough is because the plants they've opened like three plants again this year, which is knock on wood a great step forward. But in the past, guys like me would order six Bowies on vinyl, four Connor Bursts on vinyl, this and that, and we might, you guys, get one or two mm-hmm. and maybe get shuffled and not get any. And so they've really taken a beating. They meaning us, too. It's like kill the messenger. Sometimes they'll bitch at us. Why didn't you get them, Wes? You're the only guy. And I can't answer it. Sometimes I, I just say, hey, it's a lottery, in which it supposedly is. They shuffle. Some places get some. Some places get... There's some regional focus, yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. But I'm not so sure that's the truth because it's funny how Amoeba, which is the biggest small guy in the world, always gets the quota they want. Mm-hmm. But it's always been a problem. Always. Age-old age problem. But with that said, about every third one is fantastic. You get the titles we've talked about that a bunch yeah. and and the amount and uh, I just hope it keeps going like that because you keep people satiated and full with what and you don't push them off somewhere else what I hate about record store day you don't have to edit this is mm-hmm. these cocksuckers that live in their mom's basement that are 25 8 30 42 and they come in and of course, you can't say no if they want to buy three copies of this or that. But they're cheating everybody else out of the you know the poor kid that wants a, a yeah. doors this, and he comes in three minutes too late, and the guy's got four under his arm walking out to sell. And on they eBay. resell. It's what they do is they, and they, they have a soft period where they sit on them for ninety days. And the next thing you know, something that cost them twenty nine ninety nine 
you're getting 180, 204. Yeah. And there's no... Oh, it's the worst. And there's really not a whole lot you can do about it. It's, it's very... I, I parallel that, you guys, to scalpers. What can you do? Because the scalping, the ticket industry, has said StubHub is legitimate. Well, those guys are fucking legitimate scalpers. Mm-hmm. They come and they say, well, we're paying... We're getting paid for our service, not the ticket. Well, are you fucking kidding me? Are you yeah. kidding me? That that's how you reply to that is a legal entity, and it is, man. It Would is. you ever tell someone that you wouldn't sell them all of them because you if you knew that's what they were doing? How do you know? How do you suppose? I don't know. How do you suppose? I don't know. It's like selling a pipe. You don't know if they're going to go get you know, uh, you know. Uh, legitimate tobacco or, or whether they're going to look at it, stare at you. I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it's the intent of that is far reaching and it's hard to say. You exactly. could make enemies out of that or you can make money. And that's, that's a great question. And I wish I could answer it, but I know if there's a guy I don't like, I could throw a couple back and lie to him and go, man, I only got two of those. I only got one of those. And I've kind of, as the years go by, I know the little, you know, the animals that come in, you know. But it's odd. It's like anything. It's like if you're the scout, the big scalpers have guys they pay to get the four, four max, four max, four max, four max, four max, four max, and all of a sudden they're making twenty five, thirty grand on one show, and they pay these guys ten bucks an hour. Hit, boom, 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 boom. It'll always be that. I don't think there's any way around that. I don't. I really don't. So the promise, the promise of records on record right. store day is the problem. Like that, that is the problem, and the ability, the dis, the, the inability to satisfy the the demand. The need, yeah, the, the need demand the, right now. Yeah, but yeah, it's. So you think this year it will be better with the one? I do. One? I do. I don't know. I I haven't I haven't really paid attention. I think Jackson fills up. I know you told me Kansas is up and running and has been for a bit. I think. Did you tell me that or did Mike tell me so. that? The Kansas one, I think, is up. Peoria, Illinois, or not. Scranton, Pennsylvania was an old capital. It's opening back up, but I don't think it's open. The one in Kansas is the one in, obviously, the only one that stayed open was Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're going to reopen the Capitol one, so. And is the one in Detroit open yet? And That's another one. Yeah, That's he right. expanded okay. it from just being third man to, to like, small and yeah. new labels. Good, like good, with, good, good. Yeah, with the local. Well, ones. you know what? They don't, what? Have, they it, don't it, want to press the big, you know, the big, you know, the big people, but yeah. they're opening up, you know, to, like, more of the local well, area. Hey, to even, provide people jobs it, in Detroit. It's, it's like water going through a hose. If he wants to take the independent pieces that would just open up a lane for mm-hmm. all the the major label things somewhere else, Nashville or whatever. And I'm all for that. And I'm a huge, huge Jack White fan that he gives a fuck about yeah. the future of records. I mean, he really cares about the music. He, ab- he doesn't absolutely 110 yeah. percent. It's not just yeah. himself. He cares absolutely. about the music. Absolutely. I yeah. could go on a tangent about him, but what he, I, think I mean, I've heard that he is a huge well, douche in real life. The, but uh, well, Blackwell, his he, partner in Third Man Records, should get some credit too. I think. Yeah. Don't know anything about Third Man other than that they they put out some cool stuff. I didn't know he had a partner. I had no idea. You know what's funny? Yeah, Jack White, and then yeah. Ebra's first name. Of 
Black Blackwell, but he like they're what the way that they look at records. Yeah, some of it is for music, but sometimes it's just the art of the records. So they yeah. would print these records that were completely unplayable. Um, but the concept of how they were designed or what was in it or etched in it was so different. Like they yeah. took balloons one time and yeah. pressed well, them. And, you know. and Robert Plant is one of those people that he has some crazy shit on one side of at least right. one, oh, yeah. and it and you can't play it. And but you know, God, it looks cool. That's one thing you you said a mouthful there. It, with technology now, you don't just think analog and one little fucking faction that we can do with records. You think that you can make a cool. One of the songs can be 78 speed. Yeah. You can mm-hmm. put laser etch on it. You can add the, a lot of those now, you guys. You've seen that says includes a download. So that kind of feeds yeah. the tech yeah. heads that go, well, I want something. And that's got value. Yeah. You know, to the guys. Well, I'm thinking that if, you're selling, if you're selling this app, whatever, for eight bucks, ten bucks a month. Sure. If you can't pay $30 for a record and give someone the digital. And then, it, and, right, and, and exactly, and you, and in essence, now they have a vinyl master of it, yeah. and they get their things. So, I mean, yeah. those, hey, if you can't satisfy those guys, then they they don't need to fucking buy. Right. A well, but anyway. you're basically you know, you're basically not. not getting paid. I mean, Spotify isn't going to pay an artist right. like. But you know what? I can't a, say a that I just yeah. hate that situation because it is in some fucked up way kind of a modern library that say some guy likes the stooges and he gets on here and maybe he wants to buy a couple things at 99 or a dollar 49 and it's sidebars if you like this i think maybe that is cool that it at least it informs somebody if you like this you might like that and you know hey if you get one out of ten tech heads that goes man i I didn't know I would like vinyl this much. Then it's been worth it. Yeah, right. you know, well, I then think, it's been I worth think it. At, at music streaming music has helped vinyl in the long run mm-hmm. because I like I don't buy CDs anymore. I haven't bought a CD right. and I don't know absolutely. Isn't that but, strange? How you, by going backward, you really you're not. Yeah, you're going forward with. But CDs fourteen bucks. If I can pay fourteen bucks a month and get all the music I want, right. then I'm not. I can buy more vinyl because I'm there not go, paying for go. CDs. Then, then and you're, I you're the man. And I some stuff on my streaming that I have on vinyl, but a lot of it, now I started buying a lot more original than going from the new. I don't, I mean, I listen to a couple of songs on my streaming, but I don't want to listen yeah. to the whole album Isn't on Isn't that weird streaming. though? Okay. I don't want to listen to the whole well, album listen, on Well, listen, it's no different in, in, in the way you, you talk about it and in, in consumption with money than when I was a kid. When you do that, you're basically listen to the 45 but yeah. if you mm-hmm. like it well enough yeah. you literally go out and buy the, the fucking album. album and isn't that weird it's no different no it's it's a weird thing that your ear takes in mm. but the resulting factor is i'm not gonna i'll either spend 99 cents because the rest of the you know the, those other 12 rihanna and song, rihanna right. songs suck <laughs> Or I go buy the record. So yeah. really, I want to really, really listen so, to it and spend all that time listening to an album. I'm gonna listen to it yeah. on vinyl. And there I, you go. And I don't want to spend money on new music. Like I don't. I don't want to spend money on. I want to buy the old shit that you can't find That's anymore. It. That you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have to have this because this well, is a mint copy. That's refreshing too because old. either you've decided as a human being, Nate. Either you have time to sit down and fucking listen to it and enjoy it, or you don't. 
and there's none of this shit listening to it on the fucking tram on the way home and not really taking it in yeah. or doing it while you're fucking jogging and looking at this chick you want to fuck, you know. And the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's not a byproduct. That's very passive it is listening. Focus straight mm-hmm. in center, and and that's that's where that's what we missed for 20 years yeah. you know, since the demise of the tape, you yeah. know. Well, and yeah, when yeah. I was a kid, man, and the three of us at different times have talked about it. You would go, I'd take my skateboard and go, hey, man, let's go have lunch at my mom's house. So we'd go, and we'd, I'd sit in there while he was doing whatever, changing his clothes or getting ready to go to the swimming pool or whatever. The centerpiece of the house was the stereo system, man. And it was, you couldn't wait, whatever, how bad it was, if it was Neil Diamond or stupid shit you know <laughs> you wanted to go wow what is his mom what do his mom and dad listen to wow well, you know that's so cool mm-hmm. it was the centerpiece of your home mm-hmm. and it's got it just very in increments got away from that and now all of a sudden home stereos high-end turntables it's all kind of coming yeah. back to the world is so fucked up out there mm-hmm. i need something that i can hug and yeah. love. And I mean, isn't that really what we're all talking about is you want a pod or a house or a place where you can feel a little bit fucking warm yeah. in this shitty fucked up world. And My that basically so is the soul of what yeah. people buy records for when they're making dinner or when they're fucking or when they're in the backyard and they open the screen door and just to hear it, you know, better yeah. than the radio. Yeah. You don't have to attend to it. You don't have to but it's there, man. The soul of it is there. It's like know. that almost famous quote, whenever you feel lonely, just go down to the record store there it and is. visit your friends. There it is. There it is. Because I think, you, you know, you had mentioned that records slow down time. They definitely feel like, you know, that they do. And things, you know, so fast now, like so much yeah. more. And putting on a record is... No one has time. All these people are bitching mm-hmm. about headphone jacks. You're so right. You're so right. That... I think it's just going to continue. I mean, really, it's no yeah, different it's than just... a drug. You know, no. why don't we fucking do drugs? Yeah. Is to go... Hey, slow down. Everything, everybody, slow down. I got to do my thing. I got to feel warm and fuzzy. And records are just, it's it's a safe drug. Mm -hmm. How about that? How about that? Fucking motherfucker. (laughs) How about that? How about that? And next week, we're going to come back and speak to you guys a little bit about psychedelic jams on the Stick It podcast. Should I have said that? Yeah. Okay. Well, you do know that next week, what, uh, what the date is next week, my show is on... We might be preempted by a small <laughs> bump in the road. However, we'll be back soon. <laughs>